What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here back with me on his uh, after all his uh, gallivanting throughout the world and, and places therein is Mr. Akshaz Davidula. Akshaz, how's it going, man? It's going good, Robert. Um, excited to be back to the good old U.S. of A. Where when I search up the 49ers, I understand what the articles are about, and I can finally finally catch up on all the news that I've been missing out on. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't miss too much important stuff. Just a little thing called the draft happened. Yeah, but, small, small know, thing. <laughs> nothing crazy. Yeah, little minor things. Although we did, you know, we did get to talk about that last time um, about your feelings about the, the the draft and how that went. But you know, we don't have we don't have to dwell on that because it's over. We're moving on. Um, yeah, it's good to uh, to be back. We haven't uh, chatted in a while as you were uh, making your way home and all that other good fun stuff. Um, you were telling me before we recorded about your your trip back, and that sounded like uh, a thing that I don't ever want to do. So um, all the flying, I mean, the trip to and there and being where you were, I'm sure was great. But getting there and back is always the worst part of really any any trip of of any kind. Um, you know, going to the grocery store down the street, going to parts around the world. You know, getting there is always the worst part. I agree. I it's the <laughs> travel is. It's one of those things where you have to be the right age for it, which in my opinion is like a six-year-old because everything <laughs> is super new and exciting and you don't really like think about anything. So it's just like sit in the seat, people give you snacks and drinks and you have a good time. And if you don't All have right. a good time, then I mean, you don't have a good time anywhere. So it's like, there's nothing <laughs> uniquely bad about not having a good time when you're That's traveling. That's fair. So someone who's maybe not traveled that much with the six-year-old, just going to throw that out there. Um, very true. You should, you should try traveling with children sometime, and we'll see if you uh, still have that opinion about it. Uh, check back with me in you know, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years or whatever. Uh, we'll see how you still feel about that. But um, nonetheless, uh, we have uh, there. You know, we're we're into that near lull period, right? In the NFL calendar, they they pretty much like to to make. A, a big deal out of everything on the on the calendar. It's why they have this massive release show for for the schedule. It's why they make the the NFL draft even into the later rounds when it's a bunch of guys that nobody knows about. A you know a a, a television event. It's it's just constant NFL all the time. But as I said, we're entering into that one little spot in the calendar where there's a little bit less going on. Um, as we are taping, uh, this is uh, May 30th. Um, I believe the Niners are into week two of OTAs, which are the organized team activities. These are generally pretty non-mandatory things, right? It's like you should be there if you can, but if you, you know, not necessarily kind of thing. I think for the most part with, with the Lynch and Shanahan era, they've had actually pretty good attendance with these uh, OTAs and that sort of thing. On the rare occasion, there will be players that will either show up and not participate or they just won't come out at all because they've had, they got something else worked out. Um, I believe among members of the team, 
that uh, fit that bill at this particular point would include guys like um, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams. I, I think Debo Samuel is also missing from the group. Um, but by and large, from what I can tell, and I'm, I'm, I don't think George Kittle is there either, but I'm not sure. Um, by and large, they seem to have pretty good attendance. And I, I, I think that that says a lot about the players themselves and about the the team that, that you know, people show up even if they don't necessarily have to. I don't know what, what thoughts you have about that. Yeah, for the I completely agree. And I think the names you mentioned who didn't show up, like Nick Bosa disappears in the offseason somewhere in Florida with his brother and comes back like every year in the best shape of his life, <laughs> which should be basically illegal given what like caliber of athlete he is already. And Trent Williams, like he's so automatic for players of that like caliber. I think the 49ers brass does the right thing in like respecting the fact that they probably know how to keep themselves in shape and really hone in on their skills. And since they know the playbook, like the back of their hand, and there's a whole training camp waiting in the wings. This is a good time for players who have their own off-season program to really get that work in. And for players who, you know, have something to prove and want to, like, show the training staff and the coaching staff, hey, this is what I've been working on, and this is where I'm going to go next time you see me. OTAs is one of those moments where you can really, like, put the little morsels of thought in a coach's mind that, like, I can really contribute to this team. Right. And uh, we talked about the the rookie class last time. Um, and one of the big things that we we came back to over and over again during that that pod was that there's just not a lot of room for for rookies to make this team. But that doesn't mean that they don't need to go out there and and pretend like the opportunity is there because it may be it may be that there's somebody who who you think is definitely a lock to make this team, but doesn't show enough during training camp and ends up not being a lock to make the team or who, whose spot you can kind of take in terms of where you fit in the production um, and the opportunities uh, stake. I mean, we, we know if, if, if there's one thing we know about Kyle Shanahan is that he's not afraid to, to be like, Hey dude, you're not getting it done. We're going to let somebody else do this. Um, you know, he's, he's done that time and time again with, with players and, um, you know, when rookies have the opportunity, they usually when 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 they when those guys are put into positions to, to play, especially during their rookie year, it's because they've shown out a lot or their or their top their their talent shines through. So big time for the rookies to show to show up. Good time for the for the guys who might be, you know, coming in as as one year contracts, which there are a lot, you know, to to kind of prove themselves heading into this offseason. And so I think that's that's really big. And I think you're right about that. Um, so we'll, we'll start with, 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 we'll continue, I guess, with the OTA, with the OTA stuff, just cause we, we kind of wandered into that direction. Is there anything that's, that stood out to you in terms of these, this last, you know, basically week of practice that we've gotten in so far, obviously it's, it's shorts and t-shirts, you know, no, you know, no pads, no contact, none of that. It's mostly seven on seven drills, which obviously are are heavily in favor of things like the quarterbacks throwing the ball to receivers and tight ends and that sort of thing. The running game doesn't really factor in the pass blocking pass rush doesn't really factor in, but so you have to take these things with a grain of salt. But is there, have there been any storylines that jumped out at you? Any names that you're like, Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I wonder if that's, if that's going to continue into training camp or anything like that. Yeah, actually I will get, I'll give, 
three general names that I've been thinking about a lot from OTAs for different reasons. The first one is Zane Gonzalez, the backup kicker on the 49ers <laughs> 90-man roster because they have a backup kicker now. Of course. I, think I, I can't remember who mentioned this, but I read somewhere the idea that, I think it was Matt Barrows, that Gonzalez is like having a good training camp, having good OTAs is pretty useful for the 49ers just because, you know, they got Gonzalez for like a 2024 conditional seventh round pick. That will it's almost a pick never swap, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, maybe someone needs a kicker and gives you a sixth round pick or something. That's like, we know either Jake Moody is the worst draft pick ever and Gonzalez wins this position, in which case Robert and I will throw a victory celebration podcast <laughs> in which I will spend an hour detailing all the ways I was right in our last episode. <laughs> or Truly. Gonzalez, you know, does well enough and Moody edges him out. And, you know, that's one of those things where the 49ers, especially with such a talented roster, I think this is a general rule for their roster. A lot of these players are not just going to be impressing these coaches. They're also upping their trade value. And, you know, this will be more apparent when we get to preseason. But this is the time of year where the 49ers have a roster where people who can't make this roster could make other rosters. The next name that I think has interested me is Ronnie Bell, seventh-round rookie out of Michigan. Just because I didn't really expect to hear his name, honestly, from anything the 49ers were doing. I think he's a savvy college receiver, but from all the scouting reports I read, he lacked that like extra oomph that NFL receivers have. But he's supposedly shown sure hands, agility, quickness, and the ability you know, to run routes against air and not with full pads right now, but... That's a name that I think is interesting to watch. Wide receiver is a pretty fascinating position for the Niners. You got two guys for sure locked in in Debo and Ayuk. I think Jennings is a pretty good case to make the roster, but honestly, beyond Debo and Ayuk, I think it's anyone's game to fill out the rest of the roster. So it's an interesting group to work with. And finally, Isaiah Oliver. Just because he's been mentioned a lot in all these reports. And personally, when they signed Oliver, I thought it was a great signing, but I didn't expect it to be a you're going to be in and be the starting nickel signing. I thought it's more of a you're going to be depth in competition, but Sam Womack is going to take this job. But it seems as though Oliver is going to be the nickel corner. And that's an interesting decision to kind of bring someone in from the outside to do that role. Maybe it says something about their level of trust in Womack. Maybe not. I'm not particularly sure either way, but the fact that he's playing well is super important because, you know, as we know, Jimmy Ward, no longer a 49er. He was a quite solid nickel corner last year, much to his own personal chagrin about playing the <laughs> position. He, he did. What he had to do, and I think his ability to play nickel that well really tied together the 49ers' defense. 
Yeah, I, I think those are all interesting names for sure. Um, as far as the the Gonzalez thing is is concerned, because of the way that the the roster cuts work in the preseason now, they can basically hold on to him until the very end. So there's no reason for um, for Gonzalez to not be on this roster pretty much until final roster cuts. Um, and especially if they think they might be able to get get some trade value out of him, or even if worst case scenario, um, I mean, I think they've had a, an injury to a, to their kicker like every year for the last several years, and they've had to re- to replace Robbie Gold for at least a game or two um, at some point throughout the season. Last year, it wasn't as long of a thing, but um, you know, if you think of a couple of years ago when Chase McLaughlin had to McLaughlin had to come in because Gold was out with an injury, so. It's not like the kicker is necessarily a solid thing who's going to be there for all 17 games. I obviously, hopefully, uh, with you know having a younger guy in there, I think the 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 hope is that they won't have to worry about that. But it's always nice to have a guy on the speed dial to be like, hey, look, our kicker's going to be out for three weeks. Hey, Zane, you want to come in? And <laughs> we know we trust that you can get the job done. I think that's that's something to do. Um, that you know, it's kind of a due diligence, to get ahead of that kind of thing. Um, as far as Ronnie Bell is concerned, um, I've heard. I've seen similar things with him. Um, Look, we all know that if Shanahan, if you can show Shanahan that you can catch the ball and hold on to the ball, that he'll figure out a way to get you, get you, get the ball to you and get you open enough so the ball can come your way. Um, So I think the first step with Shanahan is showing that, that you can catch the ball and hold on to the ball. And obviously the blocking thing, which seems to be the, the kind of one knock on him in, in a, in a lot of ways is that he's, He's got to sort of work on the the tenacity, but the good news is he's got guys like Brandon Ayuk and and Juwan Jennings who are <laughs> quite good at that to kind of show him the the ropes in that in that area. Um, and yeah, and I think Isaiah Oliver, we don't know what that says about Samuel Womack yet, um, but one way or the other, I, I think the depth um, at cornerback is is really been improved this offseason with between the the um, bringing in guys. Uh, in free agency and then the couple of guys that they took in the draft. Um, you know, is there a 100% lockdown corner amongst this group? I think you could make a case that Traverius Ward is in that that conversation, but maybe not. Is he in the top five cornerbacks in the NFL? I don't, I don't know, but, but it's a solid enough group. Um, and the nice thing is, is having depth at that position is something that they've struggled with. Even... You know, in going to the Super Bowl, you know, a couple of years ago, they the depth that in the secondary was was questionable. So it, it's good to see that they're able to build that, too. So those I think those are those are good names to to point out. Um, was there anything else about about the about OTAs? We're going to we're going to get into the quarterbacks in a second. So any other non quarterback related OTA stuff to to get to? I mean, not particularly, I think. You know, the 49ers roster has reached this level where it's like, in in a way, in terms of if it wasn't for the quarterbacks, which blessing and a curse for content creators, it would be um, it would be a kind of boring roster to talk about only because out of 22 positions, starting positions, you can argue that like 20 of them are like very concretely filled. And with OTAs, where there's just not enough in terms of, like, game action, there's not too much to glean from who might, like, make a performance, like, here, who might be a surprise starter. Because 
you know, a guy like Christian McCaffrey is not really going to, you're not going looking at OTAs being like, wow, CMC was one of the like highlights of this practice. I wonder what that means for us this year. <laughs> Although <laughs> I mean, apparently he is going pretty hard from what I've, from what I've seen. <laughs> He's well, 100%. CMC, but that shocks, one of the, that shocks nobody. One of, the, one of the highlights of this practice. What does it mean for this year? I don't know. Means he's going to be a really important part of this offense, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think you're right about all that, and especially because, as you say, with most of the starting jobs kind of locked down, and and in particular, the maybe one or two that are not really solidified are two of them that jump out immediately are that right tackle position um, on the offensive line, and then who's going to be the the other edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa. And OTAs, seven-on-sevens, tell us absolutely nothing about either of those positions because pass rush on the seven-on-seven doesn't exist. And, um, you know, the right tackle position is a non-existent role in that particular situation, too. So you're not going to get much out of this, um, both because a lot of the roster is set and also because those the, the, the small areas where those where those problems do exist. You, you can't get much out of this, this, the way that these are organized. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's that time of year where we could manufacture something out of everything going on. But I think <laughs> most of, most of like this roster is kind of set in stone. And like you said, most of the real battles will come in training camp and preseason when pads go on. And I think that's when we'll start to see the like mentality and structure of this team really unfold. The only thing I can think of of interest is potentially how Steve Wilkes will change up the defense. But, you know, there's not enough info on OTAs to get any sense of that. So right. just not a lot to glean from these last few weeks. True, true. Right on. Okay. Um. So let's let's move on to the the, the one thing, because, um, you know, we talked about the 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 solid positions, the starting positions. But really, in reality, there's definitely one position that's not locked in in terms of who the starter is. And that's for various reasons. And that is, of course, the quarterback. Um, so I want I want to ask it of you in this way, Akshaz. Um And this is going to sound like a crazy question, but you just talked about how how good the roster is. Do you think it matters who plays quarterback for this team? Like, does it move the needle either way that much? What do you think? That's a, that's a fantastic question. Oh, thank you. Um, I you see, because my gut instinct when it comes to the 49ers has always been no, and that's largely been based off the fact that I am like, admittedly, was not the biggest fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought he was an okay quarterback. And I think when you see the 49ers have sustained success with Jimmy G, it kind of makes you wonder what is the baseline level of play you need. But there's examples of like Nick Mullins, CJ Beathard, Brian Hoyer. That's a different roster altogether. (laughs) True. Like, and this team does fall apart. So I'm going to say it does move the needle. Just because I think you can't deny the quality, like the demonstrable quality of play increase when Brock Purdy was under center, as opposed to when Garoppolo was under center last year, or when Trey Lance was for all of 
a game and a quarter. Now, Lance's comparison is hard because, you know, monsoon game in Chicago and then doesn't even really get into a rhythm before he breaks his ankle in against Seattle. But I think it's one of those things where I want to say two of the three quarterbacks on the roster, and I say two of the three very intentionally, I think (laughs) provide the baseline level of play necessary for this team to be fine. Like be where it's been the last few years, but from all we've seen right now, this is not like extrapolating on what a year of offseason progress means for Lance or what Purdy's like recovery from his UCL means for his own development. I think Purdy gives you the highest ceiling and highest floor, but Lance gives you a high enough floor to win with. Now, I didn't mention Sam Darnold because I don't think Sam Darnold (laughs) is consistent enough to give you that floor of play. I think that has been the number one issue with Sam Darnold is that he is a very talented thrower of the football. According to Matt Mayoko, he might be the most talented thrower of the football the 49ers have ever had in the building. But that doesn't mean much if, like, the one thing the 49ers cannot have at quarterback is the guy who th- turns the ball over too much. Correct. I think part of like Brock's Purdy's unfathomable success last year was like a bit of luck in terms of turnovers. Like he mm-hmm. threw some pretty bad balls that were dropped. And that, and I think like even in the Chicago game, going back with Lance, that entire game lost its rhythm at the very beginning when Debo fumbled. On the first drive, offense was marching down the field, about to score a touchdown. Debo fumbles. Everything flips. And then by the time everything settles, it's like pouring down and the offense needs to march down the field. That's just not going to happen. And I think out of your three quarterbacks, Purdy gives you the most likely chance to not lose the ball. He also simultaneously gives is the most like accurate and aggressive at the same time. So long-winded way of saying, <laughs> I think it. I think it matters, but not to the extent it might matter for other teams. I think, right? If you get that baseline level of play, you're going to be in the mix in the final four with this team, regardless of who plays. It's just a matter of who gets you there and which quarterback can elevate you past that point to yeah. where you might be the favorite. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking the difference between Patrick Mahomes and whoever happens to be backing him up at this particular time. I don't, I don't know who it is anymore. Because um, Chad Henning retired, right? So I think that's. I great. think so. Yeah. Um, good for him. Uh, we should all be so lucky as to barely have to work a day in our life and make millions of dollars. Um, I'm just kidding. He's he's put in a lot of work. He just hasn't played very much. That's all. That's all. Um, not talking the difference between that. That that is not the gap that we're talking about. We're talking about. A, a diff a, a small a small difference here a small difference there you know they're different guys they both can probably get the job done it's just a kind of a matter of how you want to do it um and i think the one thing that we discovered last year is that purdy is probably more capable of and i think i said this during the whole the whole run of this is that purdy is more capable of being kind of closer to lance and what they wanted to do with lance 
than Garoppolo ever was. And so the move there is a little bit more lateral. Is he as great an athlete as Trey Lance is? Probably not. Um, you know, does he have as much velocity on on his fastball? Definitely not. Um, but is the accuracy there? For sure. Um, did he get away with some stuff last year that he might not continue to get away with? More than likely. Um, and so he's going to have to be aware of that. And I think no matter what, what ends up happening, um, that that will be something to, to, to look out for down the line. Um, now, we do know that the expectation is that trailing or excuse me, that Brock Purdy will begin to throw the football pretty soon here. They said the first week of June. Um, I don't know what that means, because obviously June starts later this week. I, I, I guess that's next week would probably be what they're thinking. I think that's right in line with with that three month, that first three month window um, to get the ramp up started. But, you know, Shanahan did say at the beginning of um, the OTAs that. He was already, you know, moving his arm in a throwing fashion, uh, using a towel to to kind of mimic the the drills that the that Lance and Darnold and um, uh, Brandon Allen were were doing in, in training in those in practices and all that kind of stuff, which is probably nice to see. Um, but really, the the key date is going to be whenever he starts that throwing pro, that throwing progression, whatever um, that build up. And how he reacts to it, because at this point, everything should be good as far as the repair and all that stuff. Um, so it's just a matter of building up and see if he can get there before week one. Otherwise, we're going to be in an interesting kind of position because uh, we talked about this already, like the three month point. So if he starts, let's say next week, um, so that June June 5th is the first day of next week. Um the first the 49ers first game of the regular season is September the 10th, which would put you right on the on the mark there. Right. <laughs> in, in terms of that three month window. And of course, all of this just depends on how well he reacts to the ramp up and all that kind of stuff. Um, so Trey Lance did has been taking apparently the the first team reps. There was a lot made of the fact that, oh, they were going to split the reps between him and Darnold this uh, during OTAs and during training camp and all that kind of stuff that remains to be seen what will actually happen there. But I, I don't know. I, I think I'd be really surprised if anything beyond Purdy's they're expecting Purdy to be the starter when he gets back. But if not, Trey Lance is going to be the guy. Like I, I would just be kind of shocked if it goes any other way personally. I agree. I think, I think too, like we've, We've had on this podcast many discussions about how the 49ers proceed with this quarterback situation. And I think we'll have many more once we get more clarity in terms of Purdy's timeline. And, you know, we get into training camp and we can really talk and think about what it is the 49ers have to decide here. But at the very basic level, the 49ers have been a team on built on the premise of once you get in the building, you have to prove to us that you start. And they will cut loose of anyone who doesn't deserve that spot, and they will give it to the best player there. And I think Lance had his moment of run, essentially, which is like this last season was his moment of, you're the number three overall pick, so we're going to give you this moment. And due to factors outside of his control, he lost it. And Brock Purdy was so good 
that you really can't. I mean, you can. You can go back to Lance and just say, we're going to give you the run again because we invested a heck of a lot more into you than Purdy. And we need to see if you're going to rise up and take on the challenge. But the 49ers are simultaneously in the same position where they have a, a roster trying to win a Super Bowl right now that's been agonizingly close the last three years to the point where if you're not constantly choosing the player who gives you the number one chance to win immediately, like you lose the, you lose the locker room. And that means a lot. So I agree with you, Robert. I think the second Purdy can get back on the field, he's getting on the field. I, the only way I see this changing is if there's even the slightest of setbacks and Lance is playing like lights out. And I don't mean like pretty good. Like if you remember, and to those of you listening, Ryan Fitzpatrick's four game run with the Buccaneers, like four or five years ago, throwing for like 400 yards and three touchdowns a game. Like he has to be at that level where it is so difficult to like pull him out of that position and it's prohibitive to the team. And if that doesn't happen, then really the only way I see Lance having a future with the 49ers is if Purdy gets hurt. And this is a little more future focusing than I think OTA's question begs, but it is a question <laughs> worth asking is like, right. what, where do you go from here? I think we're both in agreement that Purdy is the starter. And assuming Purdy does in fact come back in time for week one and he is starting and doesn't get hurt this year, you ha- like there's no other solution with Lance, right? You probably have to cut bait and right. just ride it with Purdy. Right, yeah, and, and at that point, you can't keep him around. What does he got? He'll have two more years, basically. Um, I mean, that salary is going to go up. It, it, it's, it, it, it will get very complicated. Now, they'll still have the benefit of the fact that their starting quarterback will be basically making nothing, right? If, if Purdy is your starter and he's making under a million bucks, um, maybe you can afford to keep Lance around up until that fifth-year option kicks in, um, in which case, do you just – is that it? Like, do you just stop, don't pick up the option and after – not this year, but next year, he's, he's just gone. Uh, I mean, that doesn't seem like something that they'd be interested in doing. But also, if if the rest of the NFL knows you have a starting quarterback and he's just going to be your backup, what are the, what are the, what what would you get for him if that's the plan, or if that what it ends up being, whether or not that's the like quote unquote plan or not at this particular juncture, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of speculation there. Um, I think it would be. I mean, obviously, you want to insulate the quarterback room as much as possible. That's been the the major conversation around this team for several years now. Um, it just seems to be getting different iterations of it every year. But I don't know. I, I think you keep around as long as possible, but you also have to be aware of the fact that if somebody says, hey, we'll give you a third-round pick for him, and you're like, okay, well, that's our backup quarterback, but um, that we – I guess that's the thing we got to do. I, I, I guess that's that's how that would work, right? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. 
Shop now at Hero.co. I agree. And I think Purdy being, like, recovering from an injury simultaneously gives you this, like, chance of, like, let's give Lance all the reps we can and kind of see how he's recovered. But it deprives you of what might have been the most important part of this offseason, which is, like, a competition between Purdy and Lance. Because right now, if Purdy can't, like, practice, then he can't really compete against Lance. And at that point, like, it's very difficult to make the decision to start Lance over Purdy because you're going off Lance in practice and you're going off Purdy having one of the most successful, like, rookie campaigns of a quarterback in general. Like, Brock Purdy did things that are, like, not understandable, not for, like, a seventh-round rookie. Well, just for like a rookie quarterback. <laughs> Brad, I was going to say just general. for a rookie in general. <clears throat> like he's, I think this quarterback, the quarterback like questions and the, oh, the allure of Lance, which I fully believe. And I think, I think just objectively, right. If Trey Lance becomes the quarterback, the 49ers thought he would be when they drafted him, that is a top three quarterback in the NFL. And I don't know if Brock Purdy can ever reach that level, not because of Brock Purdy's like own faults or his own lack of work ethic, but just because Purdy can't run as fast and he can't throw as hard and as far as Lance. Like those are just the unfortunate realities of physical limitations in the NFL. But like based off what Brock Purdy did, and we've fallen down this like rabbit hole before of <laughs> oh end of the year run by a quarterback, give him the starting position. Suddenly they're not looking so hot anymore, and we start to question why we even gave him the position in the first place. I think there was a lot of that with Garoppolo, especially. Yeah, but, I mean the the difference well, being there had they had to give Garoppolo money immediately, whereas. Yeah. Purdy will still be on a rookie deal for a couple more seasons, so they don't have to worry about that at least. But if Brock Purdy reaches the level he was playing last year, or even slightly regresses, although I don't really know if regression is the right estimate given the fact that he will be entering like first full season really as a starter, way more mentally prepared, probably way better grasp of the playbook. That is a like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And this like the whole quarterback position controversy question is so ridiculous in some sense because Brock Purdy has done everything right. And in a way, we kind of hold the fact that he is a seventh round draft pick, Mr. Irrelevant against him, even though we really don't. But there's something implicit about the fact that like he lacks the same physical tools that Lance has. And the like, we can't picture the top level of Brock Purdy because there's no like reasonable way to kind of see what the top level of Brock Purdy does. In many ways, the top level of Brock Purdy is a lot like what he was doing last year, which was phenomenal. But I don't know. I think <clears throat> I'm going to cut myself off because – I'm starting to wax poetic about a lot of different things, but I just think right. there's a there's an interesting question here about the two quarterbacks yeah. in terms of like how fans are perceiving them. And I think to the 
49ers brass credit, they're being very pragmatic about this. And Purdy has played better, so Purdy gets the run. Yeah. Yeah. And we we shall see. Um again, key dates coming up here next week when he starts really beginning that ramp up process. And then we'll just see. Um because maybe the maybe the decision will be taken away from from Kyle Shanahan and and the doctors will tell him, well, not ready yet. And so week one, it'll be Trey Lance um, or maybe he'll get ahead of schedule. And then all this talk about how he's the guy, if he's ready to go, well, they'll have to, you know, show that. Um, but we'll see. Um, speaking of week one, let's uh, let's let's talk. Let's transition a little bit uh, um, to talk about uh, the schedule just a little bit. We did. We didn't talk about it um because it hadn't come out last time that we talked. Um, I did a, a prediction piece, uh, basically, that, that came out essentially like the day that the schedule um, came out. I think it got released a couple of maybe 30, 45 minutes after the after the schedule got released uh, Thursday night. I think it was May 11th. So it's been a couple of weeks now. We've had some time to think about it. Um, so I, we, we don't need to go through all the games. We can do that later in the year. We can do or later in the summer. We can do a little predictions for the, for the games if you want to. I would I would appreciate it. Those listening, if you would go and and check out the the prediction piece that I wrote there. Um, uh, in, it, part of the reason that I asked you that question about about the quarterback and does it matter is that one of the the things that you'll notice when you go to look at that piece is they didn't really talk about the 49ers quarterback situation and it wasn't like well if so and so starts this will happen or if so and so starts this will happen. I'm just sort of assuming a baseline of of quarterback play based on either Trey Lance or Brock Purdy. And so in my mind, it it, it makes maybe slight differences, but not that much. So generally speaking, um, well, well, let's do this. Um, so the, they, they have both the regular season and the preseason schedule set. Um, they start the preseason August 13th um, in Las Vegas. Maybe they'll get to see Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe they won't, which is a t- complete and total other total other conversation that I just absolutely can't believe happened. But also it's the Raiders, so I totally can believe that it happened. Um, that's a that's a can of worms that we're not going to get into right now. Um, but anyway, so they'll start that uh, week one. Uh, then they have two home games to close out the preseason against the Broncos on August 19th and against the Chargers on August 25th. And they got a couple of weeks, got to get the roster turned around and get the, to the 53-man roster to get ready for week one in Pittsburgh on the road. I, I, did you know that Pittsburgh Stadium is now called Akrashur Stadium, Akshav? Did you know that? The Steelers played there? I did know about this only because when the name change happened, I saw it when I was scrolling through The Athletic, and I went to the comments, there are a lot of great comments just about how weird ketchup. the name Akers. Yeah. Versus, Where's the ketchup place go? Like, versus, I think, like health insurance or something. Pharma- I don't even know what Akers no, no, no. does. No. But <clears throat> yeah, it's a. I mean, it's one of those things like for people around San Francisco in the Bay Area, you know, that Oracle Park. Is to me is AT and T Park sure. where the Giants play. Like the name is meaningless. I don't really. <laughs> I will say hi. I will in our pregame like breakdown. I will say Heinz Field probably more times than you want to correct me, and you'll Sorry. eventually just give up. 
I, I probably won't even remember that we had this conversation to be frank, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, so they start out two two home games to or two road games to start things out, but strange ones. They start in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, and they're at the Rams. So it's almost like coming home because they have to, you know, go all the way out to Pittsburgh and then come all the way back to California and then go to Los Angeles for that game. Then, of course, because the NFL cares about player safety. They play their first of two Thursday night games um, against the New York Giants for their home opener. So strange start to the year, two road games, and then a short week for their home opener. I don't love it, but I think three winnable games there personally, just as a kind of giveaway. Um, then they play week four against the Cardinals and week five against the Cowboys. So a, a run of three home games there in a row. I guess that's the, the payback for, the stupid Thursday night game in week three um, at the Browns um, at the Vikings. Um, that's an interesting one as well, because it's two away games in the Midwest. So you'd think, Oh, maybe they're going to stay in West Virginia. However, the Vikings game or the, sorry, the Browns game is a um, one o'clock Eastern start. So 10 AM Pacific start uh, in week six. And the Vikings game is Monday night football week seven. So, <laughs> whatever uh so it doesn't seem likely that they'll probably make the stay because it's a the basically they'll be done with their with their game on sunday for week 15 um or week six sorry uh pretty early in the day with enough time to fly back and then the monday night game gives them a longer week at home so there we go uh then they have the Bengals for week eight uh, at levi's stadium which should be quite an interesting matchup um and then week nine by they fly to Jacksonville uh, for week 10, then they're home for the Buccaneers, and then comes maybe the worst part of their schedule. Uh, their second Thursday night game uh, happens in week 12. It is on Thanksgiving. Um, I just haven't played a Thanksgiving game in a number of years. Uh, I think the last one was the Harbaugh Bowl where they played the Ravens in um, <clears throat> in Baltimore on Thursday night uh, um, for Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm wrong about that please correct me so they'll play at seattle then they have a sort of extended kind of mini bye week to get ready to play at philadelphia um on uh december 3rd then they go home for a sunday afternoon game against the seahawks so that's seahawks eagles seahawks um and then to close out the season at arizona home to baltimore at the commanders and home for the rams um it's a little bit of a tough stretch there in the middle. Um, any any sort of general things that jump out to you, actually, about the schedule? Anything that you're like, I don't really like this, or um, I really like this stretch. There seems to be a good opportunity there, or anything like that. Um, so first things first. Unfortunately, or fortunately, but now unfortunately because I'm going to mention it. The last 49ers Thanksgiving game was. Turkey on the 50. Uh, this, yeah. Yeah. I blocked that one out of my brain. So that's the, that's, that's the legacy. Bef- that's before we liked Richard Sherman, but now we're okay with him. Exactly. Um, I think it's a, it's a very interesting schedule. I think the first four games are quite winnable and based off the way the schedule kind of twists and turns. I think the 49ers need to do need to get off to a very aggressive and quick start and kind of weather weeks 8, 10, 12, 13, 14. 
and 16. If I have to pick days that seem concerning to me, it would be the Bengals, Jaguars, both Seahawks games, Eagles, and Ravens. Those are the mm-hmm. hard games for sure. Um, as you mentioned, it's a really weird schedule in terms of travel, and I think the 49ers have done a really good job for the last few years of mitigating a lot of the traditional concerns about like West Coast team traveling to the East Coast and so far. But what can you really do at some point? Some of these games are just whack in terms of like when they're scheduled, where they're scheduled, how they're scheduled. I think finally, the one that I'm most concerned about is the Seahawks Eagle sandwich. That's a lot of birds in three weeks. <laughs> it is. Uh, and they're followed up. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a yeah, five week. Fourth bird in a row, actually. Five, five birds in a row. Five yeah, birds. We, a, got a, we got us. We got Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens. Wow. Just I just noticed that, too. It's good. If the Cardinals weren't going to be like probably the worst the worst team, team in the nfl yeah that would have been a really bad stretch of games but i think that three-week stretch is the most concerning for me the eagles obviously i think are the only nfc team that i would say confidently have a better roster than the 49ers and i think that's always up for debate and you have to see how players progress and how they perform but that's going to be a big game for sure <clears throat> and the seahawks have done I really hate doing this. I absolutely despise when I do this, but I do this a lot on our podcast. The Seahawks have done a good job rebuilding. They're like, (laughs) there's a lot of talent on the team. It's well organized. They're really building at the like foundational levels. I think they're just missing an edge rusher, honestly, some sort of like pass rush presence to round everything out. And they're for sure, they're a team that's going to be I don't want to say a complete challenge just because we did see like the gap between Seattle and San Francisco last year. And it was a fairly big one. It wasn't like a, Oh, like one or two players might swing the difference. It was like a systemic difference between the 49ers and the rest of the NFC West. Right. But Seattle's a hard team. Division games are weird. Seattle is weird. I still don't know what Lumen Field has like in its grounds to be the craziest place to play, but it is. So that's a that's a tough stretch. I think that's. I always view the schedule in terms of like when are the moments where I, as a fan, will just go like I would start to like be rational about the team. <laughs> and I think that's that three week stretch where I could go oh my God, this is a, like a fraudulent pretender. They're not going to win anything. Or it, I think this is the three-week stretch where, especially because people like saying as the season's winding up, are you like a legitimate contender or have you just been like coasting? I think that's where the 49ers kind of cement themselves in terms of like, are they the top dogs in the NFC or are they still finding right. their groove a little bit? Yeah, I think that I think that's definitely true. Um, I mean, and, you know, as much as we prefer to disparage the Seahawks um, that rather than say nice things about them, I, I think you're right. They've they've done a, a good job of sort of filling some holes that they had last year that the sort of that were sort of, I think, exploited in all three matchups by the by the 49ers in, in many ways. 
but the one thing, of course, and this is the sim, and this is interesting. Um, the interesting thing about the the two best teams in the NFC West, it's arguable to say that they think they have a quarterback situation solved, but so much depends on the quarterback that they have in place repeating the thing that they did last year, right? Like the Seahawks are very dependent on on what they saw last year from Geno Smith being the norm and not the rest of the entire rest of his career in the NFL. Right. Um, in the same way that the 49ers are counting on Brock Purdy continuing to be the player that he was throughout, you know, his, his run last year and not whatever it was that, that, that happened to him, you know, later in his college career that made people go, Oh, well, you know, he's going to be the last pick in the draft or he's going to go undrafted things like that. Um, will make it interesting just for the record. I have, I have the 49 Niners finishing five and one in the division um, with just one loss to the Seahawks. I think the, as we said, Arizona is just going to be a dumpster fire of a team this year. Um, they just got rid of DeAndre Hopkins after failing to be able to trade him. Um, gosh, he's going to go somewhere and make it, make our lives horrible. Um, and then the Rams, who knows? Like they've been, they, they clearly are, are facing the, the bills are coming due um, for all the, the picks that they, decided to dispose of over over the last several years um and they've had to to get rid of a lot of players and so they're a lot, again a lot depends on whether or not matthew stafford can be matthew stafford again if he can then maybe they can make more noise than people expect but i i just don't think that they're that they're going to be much of a problem so um and then as you said there's some other sort of tough interesting things um <laughs> the one thing that i that I noted that was kind of funny is, and this happens just a couple of times in the schedule um, is like, there's a lot of games that the teams that they're playing against are close in proximity, but it's like a home and away game, like the playing the Browns and the Bengals within two weeks of each other, but the Browns are on the road and the Bengals are at home. The same thing happens with the Jags and the Buccaneers. This, this is neither here nor there. It's just sort of a funny scheduling quirk. They played those two teams back to back and it's like, Oh, if they've been, if those have been two road games that have been perfect for them to stay in Florida for a week or whatever. Um, but um, yeah. So I, I think this stands, this is a, a good opportunity for, for the Niners to, to, to show themselves, um, whether or not they're the whether or not they're a team to beat and as you said that week 12 13 14 run will will probably be a deciding factor because you know if they lose all three of those games then it may not matter what they do for the rest of the year because that may impact their ability to get a good seat in the in the playoffs and if they win all three of those games or if they go two and one or whatever it would be interesting to see how that impacts the season or doesn't or anything like that I think the other thing really quickly worth mentioning is that in the roster or in the schedule, there are maybe two games, I'd say, against the Eagles and against the Bengals, where Eagles, for sure, you can make the case that the 49ers are, like, bringing their A game insofar as, like, they're trying to dethrone the Eagles. They're trying to prove a point about the Eagles based off the snafu of the NFC Championship game. Bengals are a very good team. I think in the same way, the 49ers could be potentially doing that. But I think other than that, just an interesting note is that there are a lot of like good teams on this schedule, but there are a lot of teams that have a thing to prove against the 49ers. 
you know, the first test of the season, quote unquote, is probably the Cowboys in week five. The Cowboys have so many things to prove against the Niners after having their season ended twice against them. The Seahawks obviously testing themselves in the division. And I just think that it's an interesting framing for a team that we don't really use very often when it comes to the 49ers. Just regardless, I think, no matter when, like even last year, I remember we're talking about the Buccaneers before, like a couple of weeks before we kind of realized that the Buccaneers were going through their malaise. And it was very much a, can the 49ers show that they're better than the Buccaneers? But I think that's Boy, not howdy. the case. Oh, <laughs> I think I think the schedule doesn't really have those moments anymore, which right. is a really it's a really like it's just a good way to think about this roster and this team right now, because I think in this very long rebuilding process and even in this like era of contention the Niners have been in, there's been this like perception of the Niners is like rising to the top and like becoming the team as opposed to where we are now, where the Niners are very much one of the teams in the NFL. I think almost any power ranking has them within the top five, yeah. if not top three. So it's just a, it's a, it's a little concerning personally because I'm a very pessimistic fan <laughs> by nature and I don't really like the idea that like the Niners have these expectations laced on them. But I think it's also, it's a it's a different type of fandom for right. sure. Yeah. Um. Just to that point, and then we'll 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 kind of wrap it up. I think two of the things that make that the thing that you're saying kind of true, um, is the fact that they have these. So, you know, with the the way that the schedule is pre set up, they they finish first place in their division, and so they play the first place team in a couple of other divisions, right? Um. So in some ways that gives them um, so the two teams that that or the three teams, sorry, that that impacts is the Bucks, the Jags and the Vikings, if I'm not mistaken, um, because they play all of the NFC East and all of the AFC North. But the the Vikings, the Jags are those are those three teams that are in there specifically because they were first first place in their other divisions well the buccaneers got severely worse this year in spite having won that division with the terrible record last year the jaguars are probably going to be a tough matchup but i think a team that they can still beat and then the vikings are probably i don't know are they going to be any good what's the likelihood that they are as lucky as they were last year is probably pretty slim so i think that those matchups actually work out pretty favorably favorably for the 49ers in spite of the fact that it's supposed to match up teams that are theoretically strong against one another. Cause it's like, Oh, you were a first place team. They were a first place team. So this matchup should go well. But I think at least two out of those three cases, you got to look at it and go, Oh, well this works out really nicely for the 49ers specifically that Buccaneers game, like getting that team in this particular position that they are at right now re- really is a nice time to catch them. Right. Um, <laughs> as opposed to some other team that they could have got, that finished in first place in their division last year, that might've been a more difficult matchup uh, in 2023. I agree. I think, I think the 49ers have a schedule that is really bankable and they're in a weird spot right now where this is like, if I had to give them one year, that was their year. It was last year. They should have won it last year, but 
if I have to give him a second year, that's their <laughs> year. It's this year. I think this is the moment where the roster is the right level of youthful and experience. And I think the schedule is aligning to put them in a position where this is when the roster should be at its peak. And this is kind of when they should be able to bank in wins, get home field and really like take advantage of the NFL because, you know, the NFC will slowly kind of turn over. And since the 49ers haven't figured out their QB situation yet, that does mean that we don't really know who will be, how much they can sustain this type of like this level of play when a lot of players need big contracts the roster starts kind of subtracting high level talent. Right. Yeah. And, and to that point as well, if you look at, I mean, you talked about the Eagles being the main sort of adversary in their, in their quest to get back to the Super Bowl and win it. And if you look at like the NFC North is kind of probably going to be in a down year. I mean, everybody thinks the Lions have a pretty good chance of winning that, but are they going to be like a Super Bowl contender team? Probably not yet. They're probably a year, a year away from that, even if they're able to win that, relatively weak division right um same with the um nfc south where it's <laughs> who knows what's going to happen there with tampa and and and, and new orleans and and uh, atlanta and carolina feels like it's going to be a very similar year to last year and so it's just going to come down to the nfc west and the nfc east and that'll be interesting to see what what comes between those two teams Oh, or, you know, maybe it's two different teams. I don't know. But anyway, um, actually, has any final thoughts before we uh, before we wrap this thing up and uh, bring it home? Um, just the one that, you know, even though we're hitting the downtime when it comes to the NFL, make sure to always check out Niner Noise. We always have good ideas and content coming out. And, you know, if you ever miss our voices and want to hear us <laughs> talk in your mind, all you have to do is click on one of our articles and imagine us saying it to you and boom, you mm. got a podcast right in your very own laptop screen. Mm. Maybe we should uh, talk to Peter about maybe audio, audio books for our articles. I like it. Mm. Just throwing that out there. Something to think about. All right. <laughs> well, thanks. Akshay. It's good to have you. Good to be chatting with you again. And uh, we'll be back with you here pretty soon. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll let the schedule and what things happen sort of dictate uh, when when the podcasts are coming out. But once we get into training camp and, and, and that sort of thing, we'll be back with you on a more regular basis. But until then, uh, we want to say thanks, as always, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please, as Akshay just said, check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.